Well, each spring, for the last seven years, we take a break in our preaching topic, our preaching series, to address a special topic. And I claim to be no expert on these topics, but my goal is to speak with my best friend in mine. His work, his truth, and his character would impact our conversation. I'm thinking about Jesus. And I hope that you will, in the way that we're going to approach this, will have a sense of a gospel conversation. So before we begin, let me frame this topic with the following statements. Number one, as a point of reference, mental health impacts all of us. Simply put, Jesus cared about mental health. The first and greatest commandment, he said in Matthew 22:37, was to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The mind is powerful. We're separating that, the mind and the brain, between two different things. And the collective minds of our culture is hurting and overwhelming. Sadly, country singer Naomi Judd, who took her life last week, or excuse me, last month, was described by her daughter, the actor Ashley Judd, as mom's mind was filled with savage and thoughts and lies. Her brain hurt. A famous athlete by the name of Steve Young, who battled with his own anxiety, put it this way, if you were lost in the woods, would you deny the help of a forest ranger? By talking about mental health, we hope to remove the taboo, the shame, and the embarrassment. Let God's people who gather be the safest place, a hospital, if you will. Don't miss this significance that there are 365 references in the Bible that have something to do with fear, worry, or being anxious. I take it to, this, to mean this. It's our Father's very clear way of saying He gets us. He's with us each and every day. So today begins conversations in hallways, in life groups, and ongoing as we go. Listen to this. Uniquely, the church, as the representative of Jesus, has the most powerful and effective response to the whispering demons in the darkness and the lies in our minds. Did you catch that? We have the most powerful and effective response to the whispering demons in the darkness and the lies in our minds. The second frame of reference as we understand this is this. This is very important. See this on terms of a spectrum. On the one hand, talking about mental health by Christians can be over-spiritualized. The idea of take two verses and call me in the morning, that's it. Over-spiritualized will often, can often be framed with a bad case of the shoulds. What people hear, what they walk out of the church sanctuary is, I should pray more, I should go to church more, I should trust more, I should read the Bible more. All these things are important, but left alone, those aren't the only factors. On the other end, on this spectrum, is a swing to outsourcing the conversation of mental health. Outsourcing, meaning that the only solution is because of chemical imbalance or not the right medication or need for medication or health or diet or lack of exercise or lack of sunshine or constant stimulus of technology or fill in the blank. Well, many of those I listed and just said are real factors, two real true factors. To merely ignore the spiritual component of this topic is a swing too far. Understand that early on in the scriptures, the Bible clearly teaches us in the first two chapters of the Bible that we are made in the image of God, chapters 1 and 2. But the scriptures also teach us from the very beginning that Satan attempted to kill Adam and Eve, which was essentially the baseline of his temptation in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. So 
our culture doesn't have real good answers to questions like why am I here and what is my purpose and where am I going? Here is the Easter pop quiz I gave last month. Listen closely and be careful how you answer. Question number one, are all people children of God? True, false? False. Are all people made in the image of God? True. The difference is what you do with Jesus. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. So this morning, we have a gospel conversation, and I want you to meet my friend uh, Becky Larson. Becky, come on up and have a seat here. That's Becky. She's way in the back. She's the one that you see windsurfing. That's her dot right there. Uh, Becky, maybe once in your life. Becky and her husband Mark and their family have been here since 1990. Uh, that's her family. They have one more. Ashley, I think you're here. They're going to have a big wedding. You got a wedding coming up in August, right? And uh, Becky leads a Bible study uh, life group called Come As You Are that my wife Julie's a part of. And it doesn't take you real long to hang out with Becky to know that she loves Jesus. The other thing about Becky, the reason why I asked her to come and help me with this, is that she's been a school counselor. And she is a school counselor in Eau Claire. And now she's in Augusta School District. Go Beavers. Just a shout out there. But you've experienced this both personally and as a family and professionally. And so as an introductory comment, explain to us uh, what mental health is so that we have that clarified. And then how this is all kind of mashed together, both body, soul, and spirit. Are you? There we go. You're good. Here Green is a go. Am I good? Yeah. There we are. I'm on. All right. So, yes, um, school counselor for about 28 years, and I say that I've had the great honor and privilege of coming along student, side students and families um, in a lot of different situations. So a lot of, a lot of tears in my office, a lot of Kleenex boxes that we go through, and I, I still tear up. I still, I still cry with my students, probably more as I get older. And I said, if that ever stops, I need to get out of the business because um, it's a lot of, lot of love, a lot of compassion, a lot of heartache. But along with that, God, and I say God has allowed me, and I mean that he's allowed me to experience um, mental health issues in my own um, family throughout kind of my life. And even for myself personally, uh, God allowed me to go through a season of depression and certainly some anxiousness and anxiety over the course of my life. So um, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he's done that and he, he instilled a lot of lessons during that period of time. In that, what I want to say is more than anything, I think what I learned is that God's grace is sufficient. I hope that you hear that as you walk out of here today, that no matter where you are or what you're going through or your family member or your church member is going through, is that God's grace is sufficient. I promise you, he won't leave you. Uh, when we come to defining mental health, I'm not going to get into a, an extensive um, definition of it, but just know that just our overall mental health affects how we, how we think, how we feel, how we act, and determines how we handle stress related, you know, to the choices that we make. When we begin to struggle with that and we have issues, we might have things like anxiety or depression or obsessive thoughts or, um, you know, there's, there's a wide gamut. 
regardless of what it is and where we're at with that, the way that we need to approach that, and that's what I found certainly personally, is through body, mind, and spirit. When we think about our body, we come at it from our, our physical health. It might be that we need medication. Medication in and of itself isn't going to be the sole answer, but it certainly isn't immoral. And we need to make sure that if that's something, we have aging bodies, we have aging minds, be open to that. Be open to say, okay, I'm going to explore this. I'm going to try this because it might be necessary. But then also physical fitness and exercise and how we're eating. Um, when we think about our mind, where are your thoughts? Are you taking your thoughts captive? What are you spending your time on? Is it solely on social media? Um, we'll, co we'll come back to that. Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, where, where are your thoughts? But taking those captives. And then also your spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about, you know, that support network and, and spending time with God. So it has to be body, mind, and spirit. And, and it can't just be one thing in and of itself. It's complicated. So obviously, this isn't going to be exhaustive. We're not going to answer all your questions. But the three things that we're going to share with you are going to be foundational. And you can go back to them. Now, specifically, um, there's going to be an opportunity at the end of this that we build some time in that if you have some specific questions, you can text it to that number. That goes to Pastor Brian. And we're going to try to answer a few of those questions at the end. And I'll flash some other resources up here as well, too. If you don't have a bulletin, you'll probably want to get a bulletin insert because these things are basic, but they're really foundational. So the first thing that we want to address with Becky and your help this morning is mental health needs the power of truth from God's Word. We want to be aware, again, that we don't over-spiritualize, like take two Bible verses and call me in the morning. Mm -hmm. but the Bible does say that in the book of... Uh, it, it, the Bible is our lens, excuse me, and... The difference between brain and mind, we need to connect those two. So you told a story, when we were preparing this, you told a story of a Christian teacher, Ann Graham Lotz, and what she said, you had little kids at the time, and your takeaway was, after hearing that, I wanted to be more sleep-deprived than I was God-deprived. So explain that, tell that story, please. Yeah, I was in a Bible study, and, and we were reading Ann Graham Lotz's books, and the daughter of Billy Graham, and, and in there was the line... I would rather be sleep-deprived, or it's better to be sleep-deprived than God-deprived. Well, that just cut to the core. Um, I'm, a, I'm a busy person. Anyone who knows me, I kind of go, I just keep going. And um, I was pretty sleep-deprived. I felt like at that time I was taking care of little kids, and my husband works nights, and so it felt pretty overwhelming. But when I read that, I realized that that was where I was going to take my stand, is that I will give up everything else. I will, I will sacrifice what I need to. I will sacrifice sleep, which is pretty precious at that time and still is, but I will not be God-deprived. And so that began for me probably a 20-year journey mm. of setting that alarm in the morning. And that's what she said she did. She sets that alarm in the morning, and she gets up. And if you know her, she's a powerful speaker. And um, you begin to read the scripture. And I want to, you know, you have to go beyond even, I don't understand it all. I, I didn't understand it all. I still don't. I'm learning. I'm a student. But I am on that couch, and I am praying, and I'm reading my Bible, and, and doing life with God every morning. And some mornings, I don't get a lot of sleep, but I have learned to drink coffee. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do. That's pretty medicinal, by the way, but that's another note. Um, but because of that time on the couch that I've spent, um, 
the times that I spent there have prepared me for things like, you know, I've experienced cancer, I've experienced family, family dissension and, and difficulties, and, um, you know, just so many different, my own mental health crisis. And so it's the time that I spent on the couch and, and that and in, in truth that um, helped me along the way. So that's where we go to, to scripture and yep. to truth, right? Yep. Um, just like I put on the belt of truth. And if you look at the armor of God, it starts with truth. And in our Bible study as well, just recently, we have, we've really been pushing each other. We are at a point in our church that we can no longer, we can't compromise, we never could, but we have to be in the word of God. We have to be putting on the truth because if we look at, at Genesis chapter three, what's the first thing that the enemy said? He said, did God really say? He said that to Eve. And he began to cause her to question God's word and his truth. And the only way we can combat that in the world and in our own minds is by knowing what the truth is and reading the word of God and memorizing it. There's no compromise here. In your bulletin, there's a, um, there's a bookmark. We've referred to these before. And uh, this is what's true. It's a, kind of a bullet way of, of remembering our identity and who we are in Christ. Notice the big themes. I'm accepted. Here's what the truth says. I'm secure. Here's what the truth says. I'm significant. Here's what the truth says. You want to keep this. If you don't keep it, give it to someone that you know, that you love. And this is what's true. And we combat lies by bringing them out into the light. And the light is this. This is who Christ says we are. I invite you to take that and you may even want to say, Lord, who would you like me to pass this on? That's foundational, okay? I told you that's not going to be exhaustive, but you can build on this, what is true. Here's the second thing that I want to interact with Becky a little bit about. Mental health needs the support of others, and that's critical. Mental health needs the support of others, and that's critical. Just as we went through the book of Hebrews chapter 10, we got to 24 and 25, and it says this, therefore continue to let us not forsake the meeting together as is the habit of some. It's kind of the idea that skipping church has been a 2,000-year-old habit, okay? And this is very important. That's, that's descriptive. A Christian without a church is a Christian in trouble. So in your, in your profession, you've seen a couple things happen. There's instability that has happened to both young, and, young, young people and adults with the explosion of technology and the use of phones. And there's also three kind of separate groups of people who are hearing this message, who are in the sanctuary watching us online. There's three separate groups. There's folks that are saying, if you only knew, I mean, I'm just like under, under the inch right now. I've got some problem. There's folks, the second group is the folks that uh, are concerned about someone in their family. And the third group is just saying, I don't, what am I supposed to do with this information? What do I do? So address those two questions, the technology explosion sure. and the three groups. I'm going to talk just a little bit about technology and then, of course, along with COVID. And I, you know, when COVID came along and then we were placed into isolation, I remember a, a dear friend from the church here calling me and just saying, Becky, I'm concerned. We're not meant to live in isolation. And, you know, 
it's, it's at this point at where we are, it's, it's not a matter of whether that was good or bad, it just is. And then what do we do with that? And so when we were, we were pushed into isolation, we are not meant to live in isolation. And, you know, when we, when we talk about mental health, if we're going to have these conversations with one another, we are, you know, mental health, um, being able to talk about of our struggles, we are, it requires close personal relationships, vulnerability and acceptance. And, you know, in order to do that, we need to be in relationship with one another. And that means coming to church. I think that one of the things over the course of our family, um, as we've looked at, at different things that have come along, I've just said, you know, this is what I know. Today I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church. Or in our Wednesday night study, I said, Lord, I don't even know some days what I'm going to say, but I'm going to show up. And so that's where it starts is in showing up and then getting connected with one another because we have an enemy that wants to isolate us mm. and he wants to pull us apart and he wants us to be by ourselves so then he can whisper his lies to us. And those lies are you're not loved. You, they wouldn't understand you. You know, they're not going to forgive you, and those are all lies because we know that we have a loving God. We have, I can look out here, and I could get emotional over the people that have helped carry me through struggles over the last 30 years. We've done life together. So being in community, and, you know, and that's super important. And if you're someone who is struggling, there's that group, I encourage you to... Um, reach out to people. Be honest. Be real. That's why we call the, our Bible study, Come As You Are. Bring it. Let's talk about it, and let's be honest with each other. The second group is if you're a family member, and this is for both, but if you have a family member who is struggling, the same thing. Find someone that you can be vulnerable with, and, um, and if your family member is someone, and it might be someone who is in rebellion right now, and they don't want to get help, then you go. You create your support group, and then you surround people, and you go into counseling to find a way to be able to respond. And that third group is that if you're a member of a small group and you see someone who's struggling or you think they might, it's okay to ask. It's okay to say, hey, I noticed you seem to be doing tough, you know, having a hard time, or are you doing okay? You don't have to have all the answers. I don't. I don't have all the answers. I've been doing counseling for a long, long time. Listen love them, love them where they're at, pray for them, and then refer them. Show them love, show them acceptance, but also it's okay to push and challenge a little bit because we all need that at certain times in our life. The clinic for Christian counseling is here in Eau Claire. They're over by the mall. They, their office runs parallel um, to monks, if you're familiar where that is. I stopped in there this week. They're licensed counselors are out about a month, but they have interns that will take you immediately. They cost $65 out of pocket, and they are supervised. Um, we just want to make that really, really clear to, um, to encourage you. Here are a couple questions that were helpful as I prepared for this. Um, if you are like in category one, or, or that's you, or you have a family member, here are some questions to keep in mind. What level of stress have you been feeling over the last couple years? And who could you open up to about your stress and anxiety? These are printed in the worship bulletin. These may be helpful. Here's the second question. What strategies could you put in place to attack anxiety early? Do you know the first few people you would tell the most intense 10% of your thoughts to? Here's a, another question. I didn't write this down, but if you're 
a person who cares, cares for someone like this, you can ask them this question. I found this really helpful. On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you handling your stress? You see, the answer to that, when they give you a number, then you can interact with that, and you can talk about that. For those of us who are older believers, followers of Christ, who've been around for a while, you have to understand that this is a really real issue for our teenagers and for our young people. We didn't grow up with having how to, how to handle a live shooter in, in your school. Every school has that now. That's a different world. On another subtle one, our cell phones and technology offers all kinds of influencers right there in the palm of our hand without the wisdom and the discernment. So I want to encourage you and I want to equip you. Part of the reason why I wanted to do this is to equip the church because in just a few moments, we're going to scatter and we're going to be God's people in this seasoning and salt and light. So let's go to our third one and then soon we'll take some of your questions. The third point is this. Mental health needs to nurture new habits of grace. One of the books that I listed there is the book called Celebration of Discipline by um, Richard Foster. I always was kind of freaked out about that book because I just thought he's a Puritan and he's a Quaker and those people are weird. But when I began to read that disciplines are really gifts, they're gifts of grace, it just changed the, the, the pattern. So, Becky, the transition into this is that in your personal, family, and professional life, it's all been mashed together. Speak in terms of nurturing new habits of grace. This is tender because in reality, suffering might be with us as a thorn in the flesh all the days of our life. So talk about nurturing new habits. Yeah, I think, you know, and I want to be careful because I realize that for some of us, this will be a season. And as we sang in the song earlier, we come out on the other side as a, after a season. And I also recognize that for some of us that this is going to be a lifetime of managing this and learning how to cope with this. And so it's really hard. There isn't an easy one solution for all. And, um, but there, I, I do believe and I strongly believe these are the things that we can put in place. We come back to that truth and, and you know, when we look at the habits of grace, it's, it's spending time in God's word. If you are in a place where you can't do that right now, then you ask your family or your family member can read scripture and pray scripture over you. And, and you ask them, just pray for me. I don't know what to do right now. I can't do it myself. So you bring them to Jesus. You bring them to those nail-scarred feet. The other thing is you celebrate small victories. Um, maybe your whole house needs to be cleaned, but you're just going to vacuum. I don't care. You know, you vacuum around the toilet today. I mean, that's just going to be like, I did that today, and I'm going to be okay with that today. Um, and then you begin to create new experiences because we have to replace those negative, repetitive thoughts or those depressed thoughts. We have to find things that are going to replace it. And so it's going to be new experiences. And so, again, if you're a family member, allow your family member to take you on a new experience. Um, it might be going for a walk. Um, it might be also singing a praise. I think, you know, if the only song that could come to your mind as far as singing praises to our Lord is Jesus loves me, then you sing that. Or maybe you whisper it into someone, you know, until you can sing it louder. Maybe it's just the name of Jesus. And you start there and you begin to find your way through that, that time. 
Um, I've talked about eating healthy. I've talked about praying, uh, watch, you know, watching, watching a funny movie. We, our body has, and Doug, I'm seeing you right now. You could speak to our body's natural ability um, to create endorphins and being able to help release us from this. You said about the thousand thanks? A thousand, yeah. Including thanking the Lord for yes. Mark snoring and your dog snoring. Yeah, I did. In the first really service, Mark, I called you out. Sorry, but I said... You write down, I have a journal, and it's a thousand gifts. I think it was Anne Voskamp. I might have that name wrong. But began to write down all the things that you're thankful for. And it might be the hummingbird that you see coming to the feeder. Or it might be, you know, something small. Or as I said, my dog snoring. And then I said some nights it's a little rough with both Mark and the dog snoring. <laughs> but it's kind of cute. As long as I don't have to work in the morning, it's all cute. So I think God has a sense of humor, right? Um, but you start small. And you also create new thoughts. And that's where scripture comes in and memorizing scripture because God will, he will be faithful. I don't know how long your journey is. I don't know how long your loved one's journey is. But I do know that his grace is sufficient. I know he loves us. Mm. And it, it saddened me so much to see Naomi Judd having taken her life, but because of the lies. And we have to, we have to battle that. It's dark. But... There isn't any darkness in all the world that can extinguish the light of a single candle. And imagine when we put our candles together, like on our Christmas Eve services, yep. we light the room, right? We can light the world. So before we take questions, we want to summarize it this way. One, I want to draw your attention to the bulletin insert that's there. There's a couple resources, including a poem that Becky's going to read here on the other side. Uh, one of those books is a small book by John Piper called When the Darkness Will Not Lift. Uh, Becky... Uh, put me onto that in preparation for this. It's an excellent book. It's a quick and easy read. You can get it on Amazon. The other um, link that's there, and we have paper copies, is, the, is an article entitled the, D the Difference Between Depression and a Dark Night of the Soul. Now listen to what that is. Depression and the Dark Night of the Soul. There have been many Christian writers and people who have loved Jesus who have gone through the dark night of the soul. What is that? That article's there, but let me give you this example. I called a pastor friend of mine this week who has gone through a dark night of the soul, and I said, tell me what that was like. He said, well, it lasted for four months. He said, I, it was inexplainable. If there was one word about that, it was inexplainable. There was no death. There was no child rebellion. Stuff at church was going okay. There was no big creepy sin that was unconfessed in my life, but there was a heaviness and I said, well, how did you make it through those four months? And he had a catch in his throat, and he said, it was the presence of my wife, listen to this, it was the presence of my wife singing and praying over me. Kirk, it was this, that God was here and he hadn't abandoned me. It was the combination of, a, of God's word and a person in prayer. Four months, and it was gone. He said, it transformed me. He said, I'm more compassionate in my spirit and I'm softer towards others. Yeah. So pick that article up or download it. If you're watching on the line, you can find that link. Read this, um, read this poem for us. I didn't know who the author was, but he was transposed by Charles Wesley. And I'm, he's kind of like a big shot hymn writer. and I like him a lot. So read that for us. Yeah, and I like this because it actually was written in the year 1656. Hmm. So there isn't anything new under the sun, right? But I love his words. Give to the winds your fears, hope, 
and be undismayed. God hears your sighs and he counts your tears. God shall lift your head. Through waves and clouds and storms, God gently clears the way. Wait patiently, so shall this night soon end in joyous day. Far, far above thy thought, his counsel shall appear, when fully he the work hath wrought that caused thy needless fear. Leave to his sovereign will to choose and to command. With wonder filled you shall then shall know how wise, how strong his hand. And just take heart. This journey isn't forever, right? Yeah. In, one day we will be on the other side. We will leave the burdens of our struggles here and we're gonna cross over and it is gonna be so glorious there. But until then, we're gonna do life together and we're gonna, we're gonna be in community. We're gonna to listen to the truth and um, Walk in the truth. God is good. Okay, we're gonna to try to take a few questions that maybe you texted in or that you wanted to ask. So Pastor Brian, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do we have some questions? How many do we have? I don't have new ones, but um, okay. it might be helpful to uh, do the ones we got earlier. Um, so, Becky, uh, to what extent can you bring your Christian faith into counseling with kids at school? Yeah, um, when you, you think about being in the schoolers, schools, you think about, well, how do you do that as a Christian? And... and um, I look at my friend Kim, we're nodding, we've done this together, and, and we've done a lot of life together talking about this, but we speak truth, and this isn't unique to the school, so I would put that back to everyone in, the, in here. How do you bring your Christian faith into your workplace? And we are speaking truth, and that's why it's so important to know the truth for ourselves. Um, one of my favorite analogies that I use with students and their families is we talk about forest fire. And um, my niece is here from Alaska, Maddie, and, and we've, my brother lives in Alaska, and we've seen some forest fires there, and I'll tell you that it is ugly when a forest fire goes through because it's just burned and charred remains. And yet, in time, it looks like nothing good could come from that, right, Maddie? But in time, the rains come. And the ashes that are left behind from the forest fire water the ground. And beauty comes up from the ashes. So we talk about what's the beauty that is going to come in time. It's not right now, but beauty will come. And we begin to look for that. Well, we know as believers that that's from Isaiah 61.3. I don't have to say, well, we're going to open the Bible and say in Isaiah 61.3, I speak truth and the Holy Spirit does the rest. Mm -hmm. So the more that I am in the truth, the closer that I draw to God, the more that I can be his hands and feet. So whether it's in our schools or our businesses or, you know, with our neighbors, we're speaking truth and God is using us. Yep. Let, me, let me jump in here real quick. Oh, you, do have, you have another one. I'm sorry. What was the other one? Uh, what changes have you seen in the mental health challenges of students over the course of your career? Yeah. Um, obviously... And, and I will say that since COVID has occurred, there's significant changes. I have seen a gradual um, change and, and greater struggles. I think also as we're able to talk about it, I think people also, uh, students are pretty good about reading things online and then coming in and, and diagnosing themselves. So we, we address that. But I would say with people coming back um, from so much isolation and what happened, and I had a a sweet conversation with a teenager this past week who helped me understand that 
when we left our schools and we said we'll be back in two weeks, fully expecting that to happen, and then we didn't return. And when we did return, it was tough and it was long and it was hard. And, um, but what happened is that they went into isolation and then they went into things like TikTok and Instagram, and all of a sudden there was a whole world that was telling them things that were contrary to what they were being taught in the church and being taught at home. And so they were being told that if you did not respond in such a way to different social groups, then you were unloving and you were not a Christian and you, you couldn't, you weren't a good person. So they felt very much that they had to change. And it wasn't until they came out of isolation and began to hear truth again. That's why it's so important for us to be speaking truth to one another, to our children, to our neighbors. Um, and so that impact is tremendous. I'm not going to... I'm not going to minimize that, but I would also say that kids are still kids. They're, they're looking for their identity. They're looking for a place to be loved. They long for stability. The more stability we can offer them, um, but, and we know as believers, and what we're all looking for is a relationship with a Savior who loves us no matter what. We all have our messiness, and God just loves us, and he forgives us, so... Two questions, and then we'll be done. Uh, big question, kind of the elephant in the room, is depression a sin? As we got ready for this, we tried to differentiate the difference between I'm a depressed person versus I'm a child of God who suffers or wrestles with depression. Respond to that. Yeah, if we look at depression as a sin, I think then it's just boy, we're just heaping on more of a burden, right? And that's not what God desires for us. You know, he desires to lift us up out of that pit of anxiety and fear and that brokenness. And so, you know, where does it come from? Um, it can be a, a myriad of things, and I think that's where it's not simple. It can be that, that we have a genetic predisposition for that. That's very real. That's part of living in a broken world and with our with our, you know, with our chemical imbalances. It can come from things that happened to us in our childhood or um, over the course of time or in one instant. It can also be something, it, it can be consequences of our own sins and choices that we made, and so we kind of carry that burden. But depression, I would say, in and of itself is not, not a sin, but it can be the result of many things. And then when you look at that, that does not define me. Our, our, our mental health issues do not define us. And, and in our culture, we like to put lots of labels on things. But we need to not be defined by that. We need to be defined first and foremost. We are seated in the heavenlies with a, with a, a heavenly father. And um, if I can just share this quick story with you. When, when one of my, and I've shared this before, but I had a daughter who was in um, fourth grade. And we had gone camping, and she said to me, Mom, um, I was with these kids at school. It was after school had gotten out, and she said they, they told me that I couldn't be friends with them because they're a different grade than me. And I said, well, what do you mean? Are they a year older? And she said, they, no, they made, still makes me emotional every time I share this. They made a list of all the kids in the class, and they gave us grades, and they made me a zero. Mm. And everyone else was fours and fives, and I said, that is from the pit of hell. You are a child of the heavenly king. Amen. You are seated in the heavenlies with your father. Amen. You are a princess, this little 10-year-old little girl. And I said, that's a lie. 
and we're going to speak truth. And that's what we need to do for one another. Yeah. That's what I need people to speak to me. When I'm in my dark place, we speak it to our family and our loved ones, and we speak it to each other as a body of believers. Let's stand on the truth of Christ. That's a good place to end. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Well, I want to uh, close with a, a blessing over you. Um, we'll resume our summer series next uh, weekend, a Memorial Day weekend, Summer in the Psalms. Pastor Brian will bring the message from uh, Psalm chapter 9. So if you want to get a running start on that, you're welcome to do that. So I want to give you a, a blessing as we leave. Um, it comes from uh, devotions that Julie and I read uh, each morning before we go off to work and go our separate ways. Maybe as a pastor, I'm supposed to always figure stuff out. We've struggled over the years trying to do devotions together. And a couple of years ago, we just kind of stumbled across Sarah Young, the author of Jesus Calling. And so we read a quick devotion. We pray. I'll give her a big smooch, her idea, not mine. And then, uh, and then we're off on our way. So I'm gonna, I won't give you a smooch as we leave. But I, I do want to pray this blessing over you if you'll stand. Um, and receive this. Sarah Young writes in a way, a first-person way, it's as if Jesus is talking a truth to you, and then at the end of the devotions, there's usually a verse or two. So let me just read this to you. I am the one who keeps you safe, Jesus speaking. You tend to rely heavily on your thinking and planning as if that were where your security lies. When you start to feel anxious about something, your mind goes into overdrive, searching for solutions, searching for security. And all the while, I'm with you, holding you by your right hand. Beware of trusting in yourself, which is foolish. Instead, walk in wisdom, and you'll be kept safe. The essence of wisdom is to trust in me more than in yourself or other people. I stand ready to guide you with my counsel. So bring all your concerns to me. When you are feeling confused, it might be helpful to write out your prayers asking me to show you the way forward. Then wait in my presence, giving me time to guide your mind while you focus on me and my word. You can whisper Jesus to help you stay focused. My name, representing all that I am, is a strong tower to those who run to me and who are safe. Proverbs 28, 26, he who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Now may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you this week and give you his wonderful and supernatural shalom peace. In the name of the Father who loves you so much, and the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one called Emmanuel, which means God is with us, and the Holy Spirit who seals you like a ring and whispers to you, you are a daughter, you are a son of a king. Amen and amen.